You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. I'm going to read from verse 1. The heading of, of what I'm going to share this morning is taking hold of your promised land. Amen? Taking hold of your promised land. Okay, I'm going to read from verse from verse 1 all the way to the end. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. For from each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. Now these were their names, from the tribe of Reuben, Reuben Shamua the son of Zacho, from the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat the son of Hori, from the tribe of Judah, Caleb the son of Jephunneh, from the tribe of Issachar, Igal the son of Joseph, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea the son of Nun, we'll see in a moment who that is, from the tribe of Benjamin, Palti the son of Rapu. From the, from the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, the son of Sodi. From the tribe of Joseph, that is, from the tribe of Manasseh, Gadi, the son of Susi. From the tribe of Dan, Amiel, the son of Gemali. From the tribe of Asher, Setu, the son of Mikael. From the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, the son of Vopsi. From the tribe of Gad, Geul, the son of Maki, these are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up into the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob near the entrance of Hamath. And they went up through the south and came to Hebron, Ahiman, Sheshai, and Talmai. The descendants of Anak were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eskol, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eskol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. 
Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that in devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants. The descendants of an Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our sight. And so we were in their sight. Now, interestingly enough, you look at this Numbers chapter 13. Um, look at this chapter, and there was a, there was an inheritance. There was something quite glorious, you know, before the before the children of Israel. Something God had told them to go and inherit. Something He said belonged to them, and something which was quite amazing. I mean, we've we've looked at this passage. We've looked at clusters of grapes, and you, you can imagine. Um, Pastor Eric mentioned it the other day. You know, one cluster. You can't get full on that, and now they're carrying one cluster between two of them on a pole. Now, these were the leaders, so probably they had a little bit of strength with them. So two strong men on, ha on, a, on one pole having to carry a single cluster of grapes. This land was incredible. But they didn't want to go into it because they were afraid. They were afraid of the giants. They were afraid of the opposition. They were afraid of what they could see naturally. That was the challenge. Amen? What I've come to, to say to you today, or, or let me say what I've, what's been What's strong in my heart is that we're going to read a scripture in a moment, but I want to encourage you, whatever challenges you've seen for a while, whatever things that have been in front of you, and remember, every challenge, there's, you can find a promise or a biblical principle connected with that. Amen? There's, okay. So whatever challenges you've seen until this point, whether for years, for weeks, for months, today is the day I want you to start taking hold and taking charge of those. Today is the day that they end. Amen? And I'll show you why. This is why. If we go to Numbers chapter 14, <coughs> and we read from verse 9, this is what it says. Only do not... So this is... Let me see, where are we? Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. So do not fear them, even though they look big. Why? Because they are our bread. I want to tell you today, whatever challenge, whatever that is that you've been facing, today, from today, it has become your bread. Amen? It has become your bread from today. But, and this is the part, the next part is the part that excites me. And here's, here's part of the reason why. Their protection has departed from them. And the Lord is with us. I don't know what else you need. But the protection has departed from And I, tr I, I truly believe that. That God is saying to us today, whatever there, whatever there was before, 
you shall see, not even you shall see it no more, but whatever there was before, from today, their protection has departed. Whatever was keeping it in place, whatever was stopping it from, from you moving through it or bulldozing over it or it becoming something of the past, from today, its protection has been removed. So I want to say today, take heart. Take heart. From today, all of that is becoming history. Amen? We're going to have a look in the Scriptures, and we're going to see why. But I'm saying from today, take heart. Their protection or its protection has been removed. Today, we start moving forward. Hallelujah? Amen. Okay. So, obviously, from a natural standpoint, if you have a look at this passage and obviously chapter 14, and, and even some other pastors, which we'll see, you see one of the, not the challenges, but one of the realities was the people of, the people of Israel um, looked at a, a certain height. You know, they had a certain stature. Apart from the cities, they were fortified. Apart from all of that, their stature in the natural was a certain stature. Now, the stature of many of the, the inhabitants of the land was another stature, which was significantly higher than them from a natural point of view. Amen? So if you looked at it naturally, I guess you could see there was a disconnect or there was a problem. Now, the reality, but God still told them, take the land, I've given you the land. Now the reality was, the re, one of the reasons why they could take the land, one of the main important things here is, you see, it, they were giants on the inside. Amen? They were just, so they were looking at it from the outside and they were saying, okay, you know what, I, you know, in meters I stack up like this, in meters they stack up like that, not realizing the God who was with them, the kind of power who was with them, what dwelt in, and we see what happened with David, and we see, and we'll look at a whole lot of other people, we'll see what happened throughout scripture, but that's the reality, even more so for us in the New Testament with a new covenant, a better covenant with better promises. We are giants. They were giants on the inside. That's why they could take the promised land. That's why they could defeat people who looked meters, meters and meters taller than them, meters and meters bigger than them, meters and meters stronger and more mighty than them. Why? Because of what they were on the inside. That is our reality even today, even more so today because Jesus lives inside us. We are giants on the inside. So it's looking at yourself from a point of view of how we're created, how we designed, who we are, and not necessarily, you know, what is before us. I know this is something which has been said quite often, but um, I'd like to at least bring this, bring this point home. So let's, let's have a look at a couple of scriptures and then just see what we pull together. Because the reality is, <coughs> whenever you read about giants in the scriptures, and it... And it, and it um, it, it, what's the word I'm looking for? It describes them. It says they look like this or they're like that. It describes them. What it's actually talking about as well, it's talking about you. What are you like on the inside? Amen? So you see a description of a giant. They are so big. They are so tall. They are so strong. It's saying that's what you are like on the inside. That's who you are. That's what the, why they could go into the promised land and take the promised land. Because they were stronger and greater and bigger. And if you look, we'll get there in a moment, at David's mighty men. You look at what they accomplished. One of them took out 800 people himself, by himself. And then you read further down, you're getting to sort of like fourth, 
fifth in the list, so not even the top three. You're getting fourth, fifth, sixth, and you see these are the guys they start recording. They took out giants. You start, this, this one was an Egyptian. This was some lion-like men. You start seeing that. So these were the guys further down. So even back then, because of what was in the inside, because of what they carried, that's what they did. Amen? Okay, so let's look at <coughs> Amos chapter 3, verse 9. Let's look at that very quickly. Amos chapter 3 verse 9. Amos chapter 3 verse 9 reads as follows. <coughs> Sorry, uh, not 3 verse 9, 2 verse 9. Amos chapter 2 verse 9. So it reads as follows. <coughs> Yet it was I, this is God speaking. Yet it was I who destroyed the Amorite before them whose height was like the cedars, and he was as strong as the oaks. Whose height was like the cedars, and he was as strong as the oaks. So the Amorites, which we see in Scripture, were mighty men, men of stature, especially according to the, to the natural. Their height was like that of cedars. In other words, those were trees. There, so they were very tall, and their strength was like that of oaks. I don't know if you've ever tried to move an oak tree yourself. Um, I, and we've got one in our garden back in, in Cape Town in my mom's house. And it's not even such a big one. But, I mean, those oak trees get big. It's, it's not possible. You know, me in the natural, if I try and put my shoulder against, I'm not going anywhere. Maybe, or, you know, the tree's not going anywhere. Maybe I'm going somewhere. I'll start moving backwards. But you get what I'm saying? So an oak tree is something resolute, immovable, the kind of strength. If you compare that to a natural man, you're not going to see that sort of strength. Well, not definitely in this current dispensation. So it's talking, they were, their heart was like cedars and they were strong like oaks. But God says, you know what? I cleared them. I wiped them. You went into the promised land and those were the kind of people that you took out, no matter how they looked in the natural. Interestingly enough, if you read Isaiah chapter 61, what does it call us? What kind of people is God trying to create? Oaks? Of righteousness. But those are also, oh, what are those? Those are also oaks. So you see, there's so much, we, we are that. Whatever you see, whatever you read in the Bible, that's who we are. That's how we create it, and that's how we design. That's why we can take on these challenges. That's why when there's a promised land, when there's a promise, when there's something God has said, when there's a challenge, when there's something ahead of you, you can go and take it on. You can go and clear it because of you're an oak on the inside. You're resolute. You're immovable. You're like a cedar on the inside. You're stronger than any challenge, than anything ahead of you. That's who you are on the inside. That's how God has designed you. Amen? The other thing is, if we look at <coughs> um, another very popular one. I don't know if we should go there. Maybe we can go there quickly. If we look at Goliath as well, and we see how he was designed, and we see how he was created. He was also a man of incredible stature. So if we see the beginning, I think it's 1 Samuel 17, you see the beginning of, you know, it, it gives a bit of a description about, a little bit about who he was, what he carried, you know, it gives a little bit of a description about him. And from there, you can kind of work out that, you know what, this guy wasn't, wasn't someone that you just kind of bumped into in the neighborhood. You know, if you saw him, if he was walking around in the shopping center, he'd be sort of almost a meter higher than, than the tallest person. So probably a meter and a bit higher than the average height if not one and a half meters, almost one and a half meters. So you'd see him from far. This was a man of incredible stature. And who was it taken out by? 
Someone who in the natural didn't have incredible stature, but he knew his God, he knew his covenant, and he knew who he was. Amen. He didn't have any doubt as to who he was. He didn't have any wrong self-image or wrong self-view. He knew who he was. So he was like, this is, this is not even an issue. Why, why are we having this conversation? Why has someone not cleared this guy long ago? Okay, well, if no one's going to do it, okay, then obviously Saul calls him and he says, look, I've done some things before and I know my God. I know the God I walk with. This guy's not an issue. Someone must go and, you know, take him and feed him to the birds. He can't be talking about the Lord of, the magnificent God like this. Amen. So if you look at 1 Samuel, okay, it's there, it's got it up on the screen. Um, his height was, his height was six cubits um, and a span. Yes, yeah, six cubits and a span, which translates. Now, each, each different translator is going to, it's going to put it a little bit, because it's a bit hard to, because to, it was a long time ago. So you're going to get some different measurements. But now, he was probably at least nine feet, nine, nine feet, nine inches, which is almost ten foot tall. So you got about three feet in a meter. So he was probably close on three meters minimum. That's the height of a basketball hoop. For those, you know where a basketball hoop sits? You know, so years of you, basketball hoop is, is up there somewhere. But I'm, that, that's, that's almost double my height because I'm only about 1.8. So it's almost double my height. So, I mean, this guy, you can imagine. I mean, he's coming and he, you, and he is seeing, and the rest of the, the army of Israel is seeing this man. Stand, well, they think, is this even a man? Well, what is this? You know, is this three men? I'm not even sure. But, you know, seeing this man stand in front of them, and from the natural, you can imagine why they were, I guess, if they viewed it from the natural, they would have been a little bit, you know, um, uh, intimidated. But that's what, so, and we look through the scriptures, time and time again, the Israelites took out, well, look there, we'll go to Joshua. All of them, they took out opposition, which was significantly bigger than them. Joshua cleared a whole lot of the, 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 the descendants of Anak which were the giants, the ones we spoke about in chapter 13, the ones that were afraid of. Joshua, and Joshua wasn't a big guy. It, he wasn't, if he was, it would have recorded it. He would, because it told us, you know, Saul was a head taller than everyone else in Israel. So because, you know, it, it gave him, so Joshua is probably like us, our height. He could have even been a bit shorter, actually. It's possible that he was a bit shorter. Now, he, he, this short guy in the natural went and cleared a whole bunch of giants. Why? Because he was a giant on the inside. Because of who he was on the inside. Because of what he carried on the inside. Amen. So Goliath was, yeah, he was, he was very, very tall. He was at least, look, some, comment, some, some commentaries even say he was as big as 11 foot. They're not, they're not really sure. Um, but then if we look at the, um, if we quickly look at, at the, the equipment that he had. The, let me see. The. Mm, where, am I, where am I looking at now? Okay, so the coat of mail that he wore was about, if I translate it very quickly, is about a, a 157 pounds, which is about 71 kilograms. Could have even been more than that. And then the, the, the spearhead of his, of his spear, just the head of his spear, not even the whole spear, which was like a weaver's beam, so, you know, it's quite big, was, was about 8 kilograms. So the head of his, so this guy was carrying a spear, Forget that. You know how big ten, how how heavy ten kilograms is. 
packet of potatoes is about, you know, one, two kilograms. Am I right? I think. Okay, well, you know, I, I'm not sure. It's been, so I think it's about one, two kilograms. You just pick them up in the shop. You don't really think because they're already packaged. So it's about one, two kilograms. Now, so imagine 10 kilograms. And that was just the head of his spear, not even his whole spear. This guy was enormous. So when he said, you know, David, I'm going to eat you, you know, it wasn't sort of, it wasn't inconceivable. You know, you know what, this is, you know, this is breakfast. You know, maybe I got to work up early this morning and, you know, I didn't have time because they're calling me to come to the front again. You know, I've been doing this for 40 days. No one's challenged me. So, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, now I'm arrogant. Now I'm like, ah, no, who's going to let me just go again? I don't even need to eat. Oh, okay, well, here comes breakfast. You know, it's been provided for me. That's how he saw David. But David saw something different. David saw him as breakfast. Amen? David saw, even though in the natural he looked like that, David saw him as breakfast. And that's how we need to see things. Pastor Eric even made that comment before. Didn't he say we eat giants for breakfast? You've heard he said it at least twice. We eat giants for breakfast. And that comes from knowing who you are, from what you are on the inside. It's not a natural thing. Because we don't walk with a natural God. Our principles are not natural. Everything we operate by and we apply are not natural. So therefore, we've got we've to look at it from a different point of view. If Joshua could go into the promised land, probably a, a guy who's not that tall, and he could get rid of giants, why can we not do that? Why are we not the same? Amen? We, better covenant, better promises. We have exactly the same God and probably better things at our disposal. So let's just, let's just look at one or two examples quickly and then we're gonna then we're gonna close with one scripture or then we're gonna pray so <clears throat> i think i have convinced you already but in case i still need to do a little bit of convincing i want to show you one or two ex practical examples i've mentioned a lot of them so we might not go through those but just one or two practical examples of just showing you how throughout the scriptures, they're example of people who've taken on giants. And that's the picture you've got to get in your head. It might look like this in the natural, but on the inside, in the spiritual, I am the stronger party. I am the greater party. It's been done before. And you know what? It's been done all the way back from the book of Genesis. That's where it started. All the way from the beginning, this has started. God's people, those who walked with God, clearing what appeared in the natural to be much bigger than them. Let's have a look at this. So, excuse me. Um, Genesis chapter 14, we're going to read from verse 1. So this is Lot's captivity and rescue. So Lot, you know, as you know, went and pitched his tent in the wrong place. He then got, got himself involved in a, in, a, in a war. He got captured. And then obviously his uncle had to essentially go and bail him out. <clears throat> chapter 14, Genesis chapter 14 from verse 1. And it came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Elisar, Shedroloma, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, that they made war with Bera, king of Sodom, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, Shemeber, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, which is Zoar. Interestingly enough, the name um, Bera and Bersha, which are the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, actually mean evil and wickedness. That's just, though, yeah, God hides stuff all over. So it's just, it's just interesting to, to know that. So verse 3, all of these, okay, so these kings, all of these joined together in the valley of Siddim, that is the salt sea, 
12 years they served Shedraloma, and in the 13th year they rebelled. So they decided no more. Then in the 14th year, I guess, you know, Shedraloma gathered what he needed to. In the 14th year, Shedraloma and the kings that were with him came and attacked. And we're going to read that at the moment. But the, one of the things which always stands out for me in this passage is that, I mean, it gets there many things, but if you look at verse 1, it says, Tidal, king of nations. So there was, a, there was a guy, there was somebody called Tidal, king of nations, who was in league with another king. So you can just imagine. So the way I always think about it is he was Tidal, king of nations. This was probably not some small, you know, small guy, small kingdom, you know, small little corner operation. He was called Tidal, king of nations for a, for a reason because there was a whole lot that he oversaw. He obviously conquered a lot. But now what's even more interesting is there's a guy called Tidal, king of nations, who is working to, who was called by one Shedraloma, king of, I think it was Elam, which means if Shedraloma is calling this one and a couple of other kings, he was probably the mightiest out of all of them. Amen? So you can, it doesn't say much about Shedraloma's stature, but we're going to look at this, at this when we read on from the verse we were in now, and we're going to see what he accomplished. It should open your eyes. So now what he's done is one of his, the guys he fought with, and probably even he was mightier than, was somebody called Tidal King of Nations. Now what that should do, that should tell you about the stature of Shedraloma. Amen? Okay. So this, 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 guy was not, this guy was not playing games. And it's important because in a moment we're going to go to a place and see how he was defeated. So it's important that you know how, how, how big and what kind of a stature he had. Amen? Now look at what he did. So Shedraloma and the kings that were with him came and attacked the Rephaim in Ashtaroth, Karnaim. We're going to see in a minute, but the, the Rephaim, one, the, that was one group of giants. Okay, so this was one group of giants. The Rephaim in Ashtaroth, Karnaim, the Zuzim in Ham, the Emim in Shaveth, Keratham. The Emim were another group of giants. And the Horites in the mountains of Seir as far as El Paran, which is by the wilderness. If you look at, where is it now? Deuteronomy chapter 2, um, I think it's verse 10 and 11. You'll see there that both the, both the Emim and the Rephaim, maybe we'll go there if we have time, but you'll see that both the Emim and the Rephaim were actually nations of giants. These were groups of giants. Why am I telling you this? I'm saying this guy was going to, he was on his way to go get back like, essentially his dominion, his domain, because everyone had rebelled. And on the way, he just decided, let me clear some of the giant nations which are ahead of me. You know, he's going to sort out and get back what belongs to him. And let me clear a couple of giants along the way. Does that not tell you about the stature of this individual? Does that, does, I hope that paints a picture. This guy was, was big. He was huge in every sense of the word. Probably not just in stature, but the kind of army he had, the kind of what he had at his disposal. He's just like, you know, on the way, let me just, maybe they were not misbehaving. Maybe like the Israelites, they didn't want to give them supplies as they traveled through their land. They didn't want to give them water. So like, you know what, it's fine. I'll let, if you don't want to give me water or food, not only am I going to, I'm going to show you who's in charge. And these were, these were giants he was dealing with. He was handing out dealings. Okay. Um, then they turned back and came. Yeah, okay, I'm right. It's 10 and 11. <clears throat> then they turned back. So, verse 7. They turned back and came to En Mishpat, that is Kadesh, and attacked all the country of the Amalekites and also the 
And we know from Amos chapter 2 verse 9 that the, that the Amorites were what? I'm not sure. It's not sounding loud. Okay, so they were what? Thank you, Ma. Yes. So someone who's like a cedar and strong like an oak, I would call that a? Thank you. So we see at least three groups, nations, races, whatever you want to, of giants, that Shedraloma and his friends just decided, you know, on the way to getting back what belongs to me, let me just clear these guys on the way. Amalekites are also a problem. We know that the Saul had a problem with the Amalekites. He didn't, he didn't finish what he needed to. So he, they cleared all of these nations on the way to then getting back what they needed to. But now what happened? Lot got, I'm not going to read the rest of the story because of time, but Lot got captured and Abraham went and fetched him. But now you know the king that he fetched him from. Shedraloma, Shedraloma, king of Elam, title king of nations, whatever. They'd, they'd destroyed Sodom, Gomorrah. They'd cleared everyone else. They'd captured Lot and they'd gone. These, this, this, these five kings with a substantial army, an incredible force, who'd cleared giants on their way to getting back what belonged to them. Abraham, and probably if you read... Um, and his united force, there were a couple of people with him, but I don't think it was quite at the capacity of these other guys. They went and they got back. They, they dealt with substantially all five of those kings, their, their army, everything. They got back Lot, all the possessions. They took everything, and they returned to where they were. I don't know about you, but that tells me something. Amen? Right from the beginning, in Genesis, people were dealing with giants. And not only just people, us, those who are in covenant with God, those who are walking with God, the people of God were dealing with giants right from the beginning. Abraham went against, I mean, we saw what he, who he went against. This person who'd done a whole lot of other things, cleared a whole lot of things. Abraham went and cleared him everything and got back Lot and everything he needed to. They dealt with giants. Let's look at, let's look at one more example. Um, where are we? 2 Samuel 21. Let's go there quickly. Are we doing okay? We're doing okay for Second Samuel twenty one from verse fifteen. Second <coughs> Samuel twenty one from verse fifteen. Quickly, let's do this. So when the Philistines were at war again with Israel, so you've now got the background of Goliath, which is good. When the Philistines were at war with Israel, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines, and David grew faint. You know, I guess he was, you know, he's moving on in years, so he wasn't, he wasn't quite where, where he was in the beginning. So what happened was Ishi Benob, who was one of the, his, that name means his dwelling is, is, is Nob. So we'll get there. When Ishi Benob, who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. So I guess he had a new sword and he thought, now this is the time. He was one of the sons of the giant. So either he was one of, and we'll see at the end, either he was one of Goliath's brothers or one of Goliath's sons. It's more likely that he was probably one of his, one of his brothers or that sort of a level. And there was a, there was a father who was, who'd given birth to Goliath and all of these in this passage. So we'll get to that. But he had a new, and he thought, you know what, this, this boy, or this man, David, has killed at the very minimum one of my relatives. Now is my time and now is my day. I'm gonna, this, the, this is going to be the end of him. Now I can, now I can extract revenge. 
But now look what happened. One man, again against a giant, but Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. Amen. Again, a single man taking on a giant. Verse 18, Now it happened afterward that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sibachai, the Hushathite, killed Seth, who was one of the sons of the giant. So another son of the giant has been, has been killed. Again, one man. Verse 19, Again there was war at Gob with the Philistines, where Elhanan, the son of, wow, Jari... Origam, the Bethlehemite, this is powerful, killed the brother of Goliath the Gittite. If you read 1 Chronicles 20 verse 5, you'll see that his name was Lami, L-A-H-M-I. The brother of Goliath the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. We've heard, where have we heard about that before? Same as Goliath. Now the interesting thing here is the name Lami, the name L-A-H-M-I, it means, in summary, it means bread the name Lammy means bread and you can also see a progression even as they even as the giants were killed first one was um he who dwelt in Nob, so now they were i guess they were getting closer to to the philistines they were dealing with them then the next one was the next name there means to cross over the threshing floor so now it's you know if you look at if you look if you put everything together the names of the individuals who killed who were killed the places you put all of that together and it also gives you a picture of what god was doing now this one means bread just like we, we read right back in the beginning. Remember Numbers chapter 14? They, their protection has departed from, from them. They are your bread. And that's how these individuals saw these giants. They saw them as bread. They didn't see them as opposition. They didn't see them as too difficult. They didn't see them as too strong. They didn't see them as too big. They were like, you know what? They are our bread. I'm going to see them as bread. That's the viewpoint I'm going to have. And I'm going to deal with them like bread. Bread is what you eat. Amen? Bread is not what, it's obviously not what eats you. Bread can't, bread can't oppose you. It really can't. Unless you are in a very challenging state. But bread cannot oppose you. You eat bread. Okay. So, I think, in closing then, yet again there was war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature, who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. The word Gath means wine press. In other words, this was the time the Philistines were now getting crushed. This was the end. This was it. Again, they were seeing, they were seeing a giant as someone or somebody that should be crushed in a wine press. Not someone who should oppose me, should stand against me, should intimidate me. This person, this individual has to be crushed in a wine press. Why? Because of the God who I serve. Because of the God who I walk with. Because of the God who I have living inside me. This challenge this giant needs to be crushed in a wine press that is his proper place amen um there was a gap there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot interesting man 24 in number he was also born to the giant so the giant obviously had a couple of children so but anyway 21 so when he defied israel jonathan the son of shimei david's brother killed him so even his family his brother got on board 22 these four were born to the giant in gath and fell by the hand of david and by the hand of his serp his servants amen if you look at if you look at 
Joshua 11.22, you'll see again, we spoke about this. Joshua, someone maybe not of great stature, he, he, he cleared a whole lot of giants out of the, out of the promised land. And then interestingly enough, you, if you read there, you'll see where they, where they ended up. And Anyway, that doesn't matter. But So he got rid of a whole lot. Joshua again. So these were individuals took on giants. Joshua took on giants. Now this is where I want to close. 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse, verse 36. This is, this is where I want to close. 1 Samuel 17.36. So David is now um, speaking to Saul. Um, Saul obviously isn't that convinced that David is able to deal with this giant. You know, the rest of his army, his mightiest men, haven't been able to sort out this giant. But now this little youth who's not even old enough probably to be in the army, he's still looking after sheep. You know, his three, older, his three brothers are there, but he's not old enough to be there. Now, he's saying that I can go and defeat this giant, which is taller than any other man, never mind a youth. So he's trying to explain to him. So <clears throat> what David, now here's where we, I guess where we tie everything up. In the past, David had killed a lion. He'd killed a bear. So now Goliath wasn't an issue. So he was, so he was like, okay, you know what? This is probably a little bit of a step up. I mean, I've never come across a three-meter three meter tall bear before. So those are, I mean, that would, yeah, that would definitely make news. Or a, or a lion that was that size. So definitely a step up. But he'd done some things before, and he knew God. So he was confident. No, no, no. Let me just clear this. So <clears throat> as I said, he was convincing Saul. He was saying, Saul, listen, I've dealt with this before. I've done this. So this Philistine is not an issue for me. Now, Here's what I, want to, what I want to bring home. The challenges in front of you, whatever challenge that is in front of you, whose protection has departed, it could be like a lion, it could be like a bear, or it could be like Goliath. Amen? So, but it's time to go and deal with that challenge. Its protection has departed. It has become your bread. But now, one more thing. The interesting thing, Goliath, propelled David to national prominence. So think about it like this. Whatever that challenge is that you're facing, it could be, as I say, the category of a lion, it could be a category of a bear, or it could be something that's going to propel you to national prominence. It's very, very positive. Just because it looks like X, you, know, you might think, ah, it looks small, maybe this is my own challenge. You don't know how God's going to use that. To where he wants to take you or what it's going to become after this that's why the that's why for, for for david the bigger the challenge obviously the bigger the reward the bigger the, you you see the reward that was there when you when you read first samuel 17 about you know riches and this and you know marriage and taxes and there was there's a reward because of the giant was big the bigger the statue of the giant the bigger the reward that comes with it pastor eric mentioned that once i think a couple of weeks ago he was saying that wherever there's a giant occupying something you must know there's some things that belong to you or some things that are yours that it's keeping away from you. Amen? So every giant ahead of you, every challenge, see it as something that's even holding something back from you, that is illegally keeping something from you. That's the kind of attitude you must go towards and deal with that thing because it's holding some things that belong to you. It's keeping some things that are rightfully yours and need to be yours. So as you take on these giants, as you take on these challenges, whatever it might be, this could even be something that will propel you to national prominence. So this is, what, this is what David did. He took on a lion. 
He took on a bear. These were all bigger than him. And then finally, he took on Goliath. He took on Goliath. He took on a giant, and he dealt with him. He slayed him. He killed him. And oh, I guess the rest is history. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we bless you. <coughs> we magnify you. We give you glory. We give you praise. Father, we thank you for the capacity to deal with giants. We thank you for the ability to deal with giants. Father God, we thank you for the capacity inside us to slay giants in the name of Jesus. Every challenge, Lord God, every challenge will become our bread. From today, every challenge is our bread. Every opposition is our bread. Their protection has departed from them. My God, in the name of Jesus, every challenge before us, every opposition before us, Father, their protection has departed from them. We declare that. You've told us that. We enforce that. Father, we receive that by faith in the name of Jesus. Their protection is departed. Their protection is departed. Their protection is departed. From today, challenges become ours. From today, challenges become our meat. From today, challenges become our bread. From today, challenges become our breakfast. In the name of Jesus, they, will, they become things that we eat, things that we consume, things, Father God, that we eat in the name of Jesus. No challenge is too much for us. No challenge is too difficult for us. No challenge is too hard for us. No challenge is too mighty for us. Because you are a mighty God. Because you are an awesome God. Because you are a glorious God. Because you are a magnificent God. You are the God of all. You are the God of glory. You are the God of majesty. You are the God who is exalted. Hey! You are the God who is mighty. You are the God who is glorious. My God, we worship you. My God, we exalt you. My God, we, we glorify you. Lord of hosts, we worship you. Lord of hosts, we magnify you. Lord of hosts, we lift you up. Father, we bless you. We give you glory and we give you praise. We honor you and we lift you up. We magnify and we give you glory. We bless you and we give you praise. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to pray. That specific challenge which has been in front of us, amen, which has been however it, ominous it's been looking, from today, we're going to take it on. But more than that, from today, no, no, from today, it's become our bread. Its protection has departed. I want us to pray into that right now. You know what that challenge, in your life, in your space, you know what that challenge, I want us to look that challenge, stand and take on that challenge now. Amen. We're going to take it on in the place of prayer. We're going to pray and we're going to take on that challenge. Because it's something that is now past. It has become our bread and its protection has departed. Amen. It no longer has any rights. Father, in the name of Jesus, that challenge before, every challenge before us, we call you dealt with. We call you sorted out. We call you dealt with in the name of Jesus. Every challenge in front of us, we oppose in Jesus' name. Every challenge in front of us, like David, we take a sword and we slay it in the name of Jesus. Every challenge in front of us, we slay it. We slay it. We slay it in the name of Jesus. We slay it in the name of the Lord God Almighty. In the name of the Lord of hosts. We slay it. We destroy it. We kill it in the name of Jesus. Every challenge in front of us we bring down. Every challenge in front of us from today you are crushed in the name of Jesus. From today you are crushed. 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 
in the name of Jesus. From today you are crushed. From today you are crushed. From today you are crushed. From today you are crushed in the name of Jesus. Every challenge, every opposition, we declare you crushed. We declare you dealt with. We declare you passed. We declare you're over. We declare your strength has been taken from you. We declare your weapons, your armor has been taken from you. Your protection has been taken from you. Whatever has protected you, whatever has guarded you, whatever has shielded you, whatever has protected you until now, from today, in the name of Jesus, that protection is removed. You are exposed. You are defeated. You are dealt with. You are neutralized. In the name of Jesus, every, every challenge, every opposition is no longer before us. We will see they are not there anymore. They were dealt with. They were finished. They are finished. Father, you are the strength of our lives. You are the glory of our lives. Hey, my God, we magnify and we lift you up. You are the strength of our lives. God, God, you are the glory of our lives. You are the magnificence of our lives. We worship you. We worship you, we worship you, and we lift you up. We give you glory and we give you praise. Father, we thank you. Hey, hey. Father, we bless you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Father, we thank you, we bless you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you've put in place. Thank you for what you've established. Thank you for what you've cleared, Father God, even in front of us. In Jesus' name. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.